This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I'm stuck on some things regarding the subject of healing, concerning the subject of healing. And I've discovered over the years that that means that I haven't seen everything in there that the Lord wants me to see about something. So I don't study something else. I don't go to something new. And I've learned not to teach on something new, but to say on the same thing and keep teaching it until the light comes that he wants me to see. So we're, uh, we're going to start again with some things that we've been talking about here recently. Beginning in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it said, Then he, Jesus, called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them certain instructions, but if you'll skip down to verse 6, it tells us the results. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. One of the things that, uh, that the Lord has really been impressing upon me more and more of late is that Jesus did not tell the disciples to pray for the sick. Jesus did not tell the disciples to ask God to heal the sick. Jesus told the disciples to do something that is, well, if you say it, you're considered a heretic. People get mad at the way that you say it, but, if, but, but I'm really just saying exactly what the Word says the way the Word says it. He told the disciples to heal the sick. He didn't say, now you go where I tell you to go, and God will heal the sick through you. The modern-day church seems to be so intent on, well, how do you say this? On not taking any credit for what's done, but ascribing every bit of the credit and all the glory of everything that's done to God, that we fall all over ourselves and fail to realize what we've been instructed and commanded to do. Jesus told the disciples to heal the sick. The Holy Ghost said they went everywhere and healed the sick. And certainly we know that they did that by the authority that Jesus gave them. It says he gave them power. In verse 1, let me read it again. He called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So the power was given to them. Now, what was that like? Did they all of a sudden start to glow? I mean, if there was some kind of special anointing service where Jesus transferred power to them, the Holy Ghost sure didn't see fit to tell us what it was. He just makes a casual statement of fact. He gave them power and authority to cure diseases and to cast out devils. If there was some kind of physical manifestation associated with it, or if there's some kind of physical result that occurred because of this power and authority that was transferred to them, then why didn't the Holy Ghost tell us that Peter said, wow, I feel power surging through all my body. Why didn't one of the disciples, or at least say to one another as they went on their way, why didn't it, somebody at least have a discussion about Man, did you feel that when he told us that we had power to heal sickness? There's no mention of it whatsoever. Now, 
if that was the case, if there was a physical manifestation or a physical feeling of power and the Holy Ghost didn't tell us, then he's done us an injustice. God's not been honest with us. Because if we're to know that we have power to heal the sick because of a physical feeling or a physical result from authority and power and authority being transferred to us and we're not told about it, then how are we supposed to know? Folks, there's only one thing that we can conclude that lines up with the way the Bible says it. And that is when God gave them, when Jesus gave them, conferred to them power and authority to cast out devils and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. They didn't feel anything any more than you feel when you read that you have the name of Jesus and authority over the devil. But notice they used it. Now Jesus did not tell them, go into the cities and if you feel like it, if you have some special feeling, or if you sense the anointing, then heal the sick. There's only one criteria that he placed in any of the places where Jesus delivered authority to the 12 or the 70. There's only one thing that he said is, if they receive you. That's the only criteria. If they receive you, then heal the sick. And so they're operating as if Jesus has commanded them to go into the cities the people of the cities have a choice. If they reject you, then there's nothing you can do but tell them the kingdom of God was close. The power of God was available to help you even though you rejected it. But if they receive you, then heal the sick. You didn't say heal the sick unless you find somebody that's sick because of their own sin. You didn't say heal the sick if there are minor cases of illness. But leave the big ones for me. I'll follow you later. He makes no distinction whatsoever between sickness or the people who are sick. He commands them, if they receive you, heal the sick. Now, who is it to do the healing? They are. That's where you get in trouble. Because the modern day church doesn't want to act like anybody's got the power to heal the sick. That's God's power and God's alone. But if it's God's alone, why did Jesus give it to the twelve? It says very clearly in verse 1 that he gave it to them. So it must not be God's alone. And not only did he give them the power to heal the sick, he told them what to do with it. Heal the sick. He certainly didn't leave it into their hands or up to them to decide who was worthy of healing and who wasn't. He didn't leave it up to them to decide who should get it and who shouldn't. He placed one criteria, one requirement on the power being exercised, and that is, if the city will receive you, heal the sick. Well, maybe this is just a unique case. Maybe this is a, an error in translation. Maybe God said it in a different way in other places. Luke chapter 10. We'll start in verse 1 and then skip down. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. And then he gave them certain instructions. Part of the instructions he gave them was to um, go into the cities of the Jews, not the Gentiles. Notice it says in uh, 
Well, let's better read verse 8. And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Here's the requirement. Same one as before. If they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick that are therein. It's a command, folks. Heal the sick that are therein. Heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. The same thing is true in this case as it was in Luke chapter 9. He does not make any requirement for somebody to be sick, absent of any sin on their part. He doesn't reserve healing for those pious individuals that are sick. He doesn't make a restriction of any type on the kind of sickness or the severity of sickness or the length of time somebody's been sick. It almost seems like God's against every sickness, no matter what the cause or how severe it is or how long somebody's had it. Well, again, maybe this is just Luke. Maybe this is just the way Luke said things. I happen to like the way that Luke said things for one reason, and that is Luke is identified as a physician. So he seems to give us some insight on sickness and disease that some of the other gospel writers don't. But let's check with them. Look to Matthew chapter 10. Let's see Matthew's account of Jesus commissioning the 12. Verse 1, And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And it tells us the names of them. Verse 5 begins with the instructions. He said, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of Samaritans enter not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that from what's uh, referred to as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is referred to as where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. Jesus taught them to pray, didn't teach us to pray this because we're not in the same position as they were. Jesus taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, which means it hadn't come. For us, it has. But he taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. That's the only place where you can find a definition of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. But if you think it through, that makes perfect sense. Because kingdom means realm or domain. The fact is the kingdom of God means the realm or the territory or the boundaries under which the will of God is done or under which or which comes under God's rule. So Jesus is saying to the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come so that the will of God could be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And that's what he attached to the healing of the sick. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and heal the sick that are therein. Heal the sick that are therein. He's commanding them. He's not saying, now you can heal the sick. If the conditions are right, you can heal the sick. No, he's saying, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. 
So for the disciples, according to both Luke and Matthew so far, healing the sick is a commandment. It's a matter of obedience. And again, Jesus didn't say, I'll heal the sick through you. He said, I'm giving you the power so you heal the sick. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. John doesn't say anything about the apostles being commissioned. John was the last one to write the, his gospel. And he knew that it had been covered in the others. But, Matthew, but uh, excuse me, Mark tells us something in chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now, it doesn't say a word about healing sickness or disease. And he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey except a staff, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats, travel light. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. And whatsoever shall not, and whosoever, excuse me, shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out. Here's the result of them acting on what Jesus told them to do. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them. So they seemed to understand, even though it didn't spell it out in verse 7, they seemed to understand that the power that they were given by the Lord Jesus included healing power because that's what they used. They used healing power and brought about healing from disease conditions. Again, they're acting as a matter of obedience. The only times that the gospel tells us that Jesus commissioned the disciples, whether it's the 12 or the 70, to do the work that he sent them to do, it includes, either in the instructions or in the results, the healing of the sick that took place at their hands. Now, let me ask you a question. When did God change? You know as well as I do, the Bible says God never changes. But he must have. Because there's nobody in the church world, well, I don't want to say nobody. We do. But percentage-wise, there are very few people, very few churches that claim that we have the same mandate to heal the sick that the disciples did. Well, religion tells us 
that things changed when the last apostle died. That the apostles had that kind of power to do the same healings, the same miracles, same kind of stuff Jesus did. But when that, when the last apostle died, that all passed away. Well, where does that say that? Where does the Bible say that? You can't find that. But you can find places where the Bible gives us the church the same instruction that he gave the disciples. You can find places in the Bible where Jesus said, the works that I do show you do also. And not just you, but I'm talking about those that will believe on me through your name, which includes all of us. Now, there are certain things for us to realize. The requirement for receiving him or them is of utmost importance. And we need to realize that not everybody that came to Jesus was in faith. We know in, for example, in Mark chapter 5, tells us the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She heard of Jesus and came in the press behind to touch his clothes, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, she did. She made contact with him. And the power of God went out of him and into her, and she felt it. She's one of the few people in the Gospels that tell us that the the, the Gospels tell us that she felt anything when they made contact with Jesus. That doesn't mean that there were others, but the Holy Ghost doesn't emphasize it for us. Well, we shouldn't emphasize what he doesn't, in my opinion. Nevertheless, she felt the power of God go out of him and into her. He felt the power of God go out of him and into her. So he stopped and said, who touched me? Finally, after some period of time, they figured out who it was. She comes and tells him all the truth. But one of the things that Jesus asked the disciples when it occurred, when the healing power went out of him, he said, who touched me? And the disciples responded, everybody's touching you. The multitude throngeth thee. That's King James English for saying, everybody that can reach you is reaching out to touch you. See, folks, everybody heard pretty much the same thing. They heard that when people came in contact with Jesus, miraculous results occurred. Yet the woman with the issue of blood is the only person in the crowd that got anything. Well, Jesus says that the reason she got something and nobody else did was because of her faith. He says in verse 34 of, Matthew, of Mark chapter 5, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't even say the power of God's made you whole. He says, your faith has made you whole. Now, what distinguished her from the rest of the crowd? She received what she heard of him. She accepted what she heard of him and received it for herself, acted on it and got miraculous results. But however big the multitude is that's thronging Jesus, that's reaching out to touch him, takes hold of him, bumping into him, whatever the case is, apparently there wasn't anybody else in that crowd but her that reached out to touch him in faith. Apparently there wasn't anybody else in the crowd, even though the whole crowd had heard about him, and that's why the crowd was following him, jostling up against him, reaching out to touch him, scrambling over one another and clamoring to get to him. Apparently they didn't receive him. So there's a difference in hearing about him, even going to his meetings and receiving him. Would you not agree? That's the only conclusion we can come to. Therefore, it tells us that not everybody that came to Jesus was in faith. We've got an example in Mark chapter 9 where the father brought his son to Jesus who was possessed of the devil. And Jesus wasn't there and the disciples have tried to use the authority to cast out the devils 
cast out devils that Jesus has given to them, and they couldn't make it work. Jesus can't make it work until he gets the Father in faith. He has the wisdom to realize the Father is not in faith, and that's the only thing that can keep the power from working. And so he speaks to the Father and says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He gets the Father in just the edge of faith, seems to me. When the Father says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that was enough for Jesus to cast the devil out of his son. So Jesus had to work with him specifically to get him in faith or to get him in what he refers to as receiving him so that he can do the work. We know in Mark chapter 6 that in his own hometown of Nazareth, he couldn't do any mighty work because the city didn't receive him. He was able, unable to do any mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Mark 6, 5. And he could there do no mighty works. Savor, except he laid his hands on a few sick folks. That means folks with minor ailments and healed them. Now, there were other people that came to Jesus or that Jesus came in contact with that he asked them questions to determine their faith. Matthew 15 tells us the story of the, the Syrophoenician woman or the Canaanite woman. We'll start reading in verse 21. It said, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Anytime you see somebody in the Gospels calling Jesus son of David, that means they recognize. It's an acknowledgment of Jesus being the Messiah. She's literally saying, I believe you're the Christ, the son of God. Well, that's good, but is that going to help her? It doesn't immediately. Verse 23 says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. What that means is she's bothering us. She won't give up. She won't quit. Now, she's not a Jew. She's probably a half-breed Jew. She's probably one of the Canaanite nations that the Jews have intermingled and married with, intermarried with, which was against the law of Moses, not because God favors one person over another, but because the law was given unto his people, not the rest of the world. So verse 24 tells us, Jesus answered and said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he's saying, you're a Gentile. I can't help you. Now, he doesn't seem to say it to her. But she seems to be right there because she comes and worships him in response to Jesus saying, I can't help you. I'm sent only to the Jews to begin with. She comes and worships him saying, Lord, help me. Now, folks, I want you to realize she said two things. She said, I believe you're the Christ and I'm asking you for mercy. And now, secondly, she's saying, Lord, help me. Neither one of those does the trick. Because neither one of those are a substitute for faith. Jesus answers in verse 26 to her saying, Lord, help me. And says, it's not meet or right or appropriate to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, what is she looking for? She's looking for deliverance. Deliverance and healing are on the same level. 
So notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that healing and deliverance are the children's bread. They belong to the children. Now he's saying the children at that point in time were the Jews. But aren't you and I children of God now? Well, when did healing stop being the children's bread? If healing has ever stopped being the children's bread, then that means God's changed. If God's changed the Bible's a line, we might as well throw it away. Thank God it never changes. Healing is still the children's bread. So Jesus answers and says, it's not meat or appropriate to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, folks, I want you to realize she's been rebuffed three times for three different reasons. Three times by Jesus himself because she's not a Jew. It's not that God didn't care about her. It's not Jesus didn't have compassion on her. It's that it's not the time for the, for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. He was sent first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles later. She happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time according to the things that Jesus said to her. But does that stop her or slow her down? Not a bit. She continues and answers and says, Truth, Lord. Everything he says is true, by the way. She recognizes that. She says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So I want you to see something. The criteria that Jesus establishes for the disciples, the 12 and the 70, is the same criteria that's operating in his ministry, same requirement that's necessary in his ministry where healing and deliverance is concerned. And that is someone has to receive what they hear about Jesus or another way of saying that is they have to come in faith. And one woman coming in faith overcame the timeline that God had set for Jesus' ministry. She crossed the barrier that was preventing her from receiving that God himself set because of faith. Now here's the question. If faith would make God change his timeline, what would faith not do? Where are the limits on faith? Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, in faith, I'll do it. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus said, there's no limit to faith in prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Where are the limits of faith? The Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. Healing is already yours. Take hold of it by faith in the name of Jesus today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Well, what are we left with? 
We're left with the instruction given to us in the Word of God. Let the sick call with the elders of the church. And let the elders praise God with them because of what Jesus has done. And the vow and declaration of faith shall heal the sick. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.